Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Welcome to Connex, the content experience show. I'm Randy Frisch. Anna, thanks so much for being here with me. And we get to tell everyone about a fun one today. And it, this is going to take everyone back to the school days, back to the days where we were you know, away at university, having a good time, but also allow us to reminisce because we're all alumni of the schools that we went to. I mean, Anna, what, what school did you go to? I went to Northern Arizona University and I love it, but you know, it's I I loved it. I had a great time there. Yeah, and, and I I went to McGill University for my undergrad, which is really what I think of my university experience. And you know, don't get me wrong, like I had a great time there. But if I'm going to be honest, I don't know if my school did a great job turning me into an advocate and finding ways to embrace me as part of their alumni. Uh, and today, our guest Joseph. D. Demisio, he actually goes in to talk about how they're doing this really well at University of Buffalo, right? And I, I was really amazed at, at how content and how our go-to-market has gone a lot more sophisticated in the upper education world. Yeah, especially when you're looking at just the other side as well. There's so much focus on reaching out to students, but you know, when you're talking about the alumni side of things, um, you know, there's more than just the typical phone calls that we get to, you know, donate or, you know, take 10 minutes to talk to a student. There's a whole world and channel set available to us that people are really not utilizing today. Absolutely. I mean, during this podcast, we'll hit on you know, some of the channels that they're managing to use to create, as I like to call it, advocates um, at the end of the day. So, you know, don't think of this podcast as one that's only for you if you work in a higher education environment. This is how do we take people who have had an experience with your brand and turn them into people who continue to spread the good vibes that, that you're out there creating. And you know, I think this was a, a real key takeaway for me in terms of what can we do here at my own company to embrace our biggest fans. Yeah. I mean, advocates are what continues to drive, you know, sales and engagement. And it's funny, we do, I mean, classic marketing mistake. We focus so much on, you know, acquiring customers and, you know, acquiring students that we don't actually think about sometimes, you know, keeping the ones that we already have. And that's, that's a massive, it costs way more. We know this from studies. It costs way more to acquire a customer than it does to keep one. So really interesting. Absolutely. Let's let's roll with the podcast. I believe you got to bring in Joseph, so let's let that play. Joseph, thank you so much for joining us today. It's so great to have you here. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to to be here uh, with you all. Yeah, really excited. So we know a little bit about you um, from chit-chatting before we started recording, but just so everybody else out there knows more about you too, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Joseph DiDomizio. I'm the Director of Digital Communications at the University of Buffalo in the uh, Office of uh, Donor Alumni Com Communications. And 
Division of University Advancement. Nice. So donor alumni communication, that's different. So we've talked to a couple of people from universities before, and our emphasis with them has always been on the student side, but you're actually on the donor and alumni side, which is super fascinating. Yeah, it's um, sometimes a little bit overlooked when everyone uh, thinks of uh, university marketing. Um, I think it falls a little bit more in line um, with something nonprofit marketing because everyone assumes you're asking for, for money or looking for engagement or I mean that's kind of what we do, but um, there's a lot there's a lot more to that. When you when you buy into a college, you're really also buying your um, the alumni lifestyle afterwards and everything that comes with that degree. So um, our job is to continue the the excitement, the pride, the um, engagement that you had when you were just a student, uh, essentially learning the product, as if you could think of it that way, throughout the rest of uh, your life as long as you want to be involved with it, which is hopefully for the rest of your life. Um, So it's such a foundational piece of your life when you buy into it. It is funny that you mentioned that because you're right. I mean, a lot of times people pick universities based on, you know, legacy, like, you know, like their parents went there and their grandparents went there, or, you know, they pick it based on their sports team. Like there's so much emotional investment or they pick it because, you know, this university is the best in this X degree. And there's so much emotional investment that goes into selecting a college, selecting a university, and then you kind of graduate and it's sort of, you know, from what I've seen, the majority of universities are just sort of like, okay, you know, you know, maybe once a year phone call for some donations and things like that. But it seems like that's definitely not the right way to approach it. Yeah, it's definitely the way that we'd like to kind of flip that around. I know there are a lot of other universities who've already taken up that challenge and kind of embedded this and baked this into some of their their targets and their goals. But it's something that we haven't really uh, jumped on too much here uh, at the University of Buffalo, but I think that we're definitely ready to do it. And I know that it's something that we really believe in. We think that that relationship is something that can be fostered continuously and should be fostered from the day that you are an accepted student and beyond. Um, And when you unpack those reasons that you listed earlier about like like the sports teams or a legacy situation or what have you, those are all still based on really, really concrete and and, uh, deep emotional triggers that definitely have some resonance in the postgraduate lifestyle. Because it's only four years or sometimes six or or, or eight or ten, depending upon the degree that you're getting, um, that you're really here under your like average lifespan. That's could be a maybe a 10th to an eighth, depending. So, but you're carrying all these other emotions along with you for the rest of your life. So it's a huge opportunity for us to continue to keep those kinds of emotions flowing and those kinds of deep identity related pieces uh, in, in the forefront of everyone's minds to keep that relationship moving forward, to be able to give more to the students coming in to help create a bigger tribe on the long term. Yeah, it's interesting as you jump into this. And first off, Anna, I got to say, like, even what you're describing is so much more than the connection that I've continued with where I went to university, right? I, I kind of, you know, my definition of being an alumni is that I've got my graduation diploma up on a wall, right? Like that's, that to me, it's like, or or if I see someone and, and they're at that school, I'm like, I went there, right? Like, it's almost like I can relate to you type of vibe. But I, I like what you're what you're trying to achieve, Joseph, and it, and I would compare it for for those listening who maybe aren't in the education world. It's it's how does a brand create an environment or a club, if you will, that people want to belong to? I mean, some of the brands that I always admire are even uh, you know automobile companies, 
right? Like, you know, those people who have bought a Jeep are, are like part of this club of, of Jeep owners. And they all, you know, have this pride associated with it that they've driven a Jeep. And, you know, I think, I think Porsche has something similar. I think, you know, Land Rovers, you know, tried to accomplish the same type of thing. So is it fair to say that, that your goal is to create, you know, this exclusive belonging of, of those who have been there in the past? Absolutely. I think, I think that's very fair. And I think the, we're not actually creating it, though. I think that it exists. It just hasn't been fostered enough or uh, encouraged or strengthened over long periods of time in a, in a collaborative way to be able to make it effective for our goals as, as an organization, which would be to engage our alums, continue supporting uh, the incoming students to expand that club and to uh, continue giving opportunities to folks who wouldn't normally have it. And I think that's just on the same, uh, easily translatable to any business's growth plan, to be able to have your brand be something people want to belong to. And since we've already got point of purchase at a college and you're here, it makes sense that we need to be continuing that, that 360 touch point afterwards too. Um, and a lot of colleges kind of aren't the best at that. There are a lot of colleges out there and there are some colleges that do a really good job. We want to be one of those colleges that are doing a really good job, one of those universities. <laughs> it's interesting how you said at the beginning of, of, of that little bit was that it already exists. It's on us to kind of highlight it. And, and you're probably right. I mean, you know, as, as we talk about our own university experiences and I, I tell you how, you know, when I hear someone who's gone to, you know, the place I went to, you know, I, I kind of have this bond with them instantly. So how are you finding ways to highlight these, these groups and, and bring people together, maybe more out in the open where it encourages your ultimate goal, which is support of the school? A lot of that comes through, um, affinity marketing and looking at behaviors and doing the usual content marketing stuff where you're trying to develop uh, personas around um, interests and behaviors and understanding your audience. So we know what they want and we can put together and highlight those pieces that exist for them. Um, we just finished an alumni results survey. Um, so we have a couple really great clues as to where our content should be going. We want to dive deeper into that and kind of sort out what we're, what we can offer in a more robust kind of way. Um, we're in campaign right now too. So we want to be able to make sure that what we're doing is also linking back to what we have available for donor opportunities. So we're trying to develop the kind of programming and high value pieces to get folks interested and stay interested in it. Things that build their pride and continue to highlight what we're doing such a good job of. So we're triggering nostalgia pieces like Throwback Thursday as a programming idea has been really great for us for engagement. I mean, it's kind of great for everybody. But as a university, you, you can put out a question that asks, um, like, well, what was your first day of classes? And you can get, you're guaranteed to get responses based on that. And you're guaranteed to find that information and understand that there, these folks might be interested in coming back if you see a bunch of people from 1980. They might also be interested in other topics that you're doing. So you can start building lists based upon what topics they've responded to already. And uh, if you have like a research post or something and start identifying funds and everything else like that to kind of goose their interest levels in certain targeted ways. So we're trying to do this on a, from a programming standpoint of providing the value like with 
webinars and fun pride posts and then building that back into a later higher level ask where folks seem to be more prepared to engage um, as they get further right on the donor um, spectrum, as it were. Nice. I'm so excited to hear more about this survey because, you know, this is something that Randy and I have talked about a lot, which is just how much information and how many ideas can be sparked just by talking to your audiences and actually just sort of asking them what they want. But before we get into that, we are going to take a super quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about the survey and how you conducted it um, and just even more of the learnings that were found. So everybody stick with us real quick. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Growing your business is tough. Ads are expensive and let's face it, social media is hard. The best way to grow is to have your customers do it for you via word of mouth. But you have to give people a consistent and memorable story to tell. That story is your talk trigger. And Jay Bear's new book shows you exactly how to do it. It is the complete guide to creating customers with word of mouth, and it's available now wherever you get books. It's called Talk Triggers, and it's easy to find. It's the one with the alpacas on the cover. Visit talktriggers.com today or get it wherever you find books. Joseph, welcome back, and thank you for talking to us again today. So before the break, we started to talk about the survey and all of these amazing things that you found, like Throwback Thursday. Um, so tell us a little bit more about how you actually conducted this survey and actually reached out to these alumni, because I think, you know, as we mentioned before the break, this is such a critical component to getting our content right, and you found gold with this survey. So how did you actually go about putting it together and distributing it and getting results? Uh, well, we we contracted with a third party to, to do the survey because uh, like like many shops, we don't have a survey team on board, <laughs> although I'm sure we'd all would like it in the magical world of unlimited funding. So in every two years, we do the survey. So we have some generally updated data uh, and it's mostly sent on an email or over the phone. Um, it isn't too much in person. But we get a, a, a statistically decent enough uh, amount of responses to be able to kind of direct some of our programming questions, to direct some of our demographic and communication effectiveness um, programs. Like we got some good feedback on where our audiences are getting their information from, whether it be web or magazine, um, social media versus direct mail, um, and what age groups identify where they're getting most of it from, because that's super important for us to know Like as the classes get bigger, um, where those larger pools of alumni prefer to have their information delivered to them. Um, and we also identified what they, uh, what they would prefer to have as far as content and usefulness, like what, what do they value from our organization um, after they graduate? And a lot of that is unsurprisingly about careers. Folks need, folks are always looking for that particular component. And some, this goes back to our earlier part of our conversation where or we talked about um, the, the after the, the graduation situation. Uh, a lot of colleges have recognized and, and universities have recognized that we, we're, we're not just here to educate, we're also here to, to help use the alumni network to uh, employ, to help get folks into positions because they, they recognize that being part of that club means we've all gone through some kind of struggle together at some point that produces a particular kind of person that can do a particular kind of thing. And you can trust it, at least in that kind of brand value. I know that happens with uh, my alma mater, uh, one of my alma maters, uh, Syracuse, which I will name check 
And also, I'm also a grad here at UB, to be completely fair. Both universities have helped me immensely, um, but Syracuse has a little bit different of an alumni connection with their grads, especially from the Newhouse School where I was. And I have worked at a couple other universities that had really strong alumni hands in the, in the post-graduation employment pot where they were on campus recruiting for their organizations or were happy to take interns and, and such like that. And that's the kind of network I think that we want to foster. We want to foster this opportunity to say, yeah, UB grads are there. And we do have um, employers who do that. We absolutely do have in our engineering schools and our medical school and our, uh, our College of Arts and Sciences and all of our other schools, we do have a, a alumni that do that and strengthen our network every time they do. And that's brand building as well for us. And it's the most important part of it, because if we can deliver that kind of content and make them more aware that there are people getting this kind of success, any kind of success from their degree, just because they, they know they've been through this and this is what their their time was, was, was spent doing is building these relationships as well as learning. You know, I, I kind of figured that alumni network or post sort of job outreach network was going to be a major piece of the findings. Um, the nostalgia thing didn't surprise me necessarily too much, although kind of interesting how high that was. Were there any other big sort of like whoa or aha moments about some of the content they were looking for or some of the content that really did resonate with them? But super interesting that 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 alumni network is so large. But anything else that kind of popped up, you're like, oh, I didn't know that they wanted this type of content. Honestly, no. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think that just means you know your audience. So congratulations. That's like golf clap for you guys. And I think there's a little there's a little bit more to unpack with that answer too. I think there wasn't any surprises because we've done this survey before and the answers were kind of the same. So I don't know if that means that we know that we know our audience better than we have like two or four years ago. I think maybe we haven't delivered well enough sometimes on that. And I'm not trying to throw any, anything and I'm trying to be negative about anything here, but I think that's because we aren't doing the kind of content marketing that can give them the things that they need in the way that they want it, where they want it and when they need it. So we recognize that that might be something we need to kind of steer into and and dive a little bit deeper to kind of make it a little bit better so we can find better nuggets like that. Yeah, no, I'm curious because I, first of all, I, I love the honesty, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's refreshing, right? I think I, as marketers, we try and, you know, cook up these amazing outcomes. But I, I'm wondering, because I, I know you, you've got a, a decent sized team for, you know, for the university. And, and I believe there's a digital team of two. You've got a social media individual, yourself. I, I'm wondering between that group, aside from survey where, where we're going out and asking, what data within the content consumption have you started to maybe glance into to try and figure out, okay, well, well how do I know what's working, right? You know, because sometimes you know, when I'm asked these surveys, like I'll just give the answers that I, I know I should say, but I'm wondering where you're actually seeing that on the, on the flip side of actual, okay, now we go and execute, but what's actually working the best for you? And that's a, that's a great question. Um, one of the things that have worked the best for us is terms of engagement, as terms, in terms of excitement, um, it has been our webinar series that our alumni office put together um, less than a year ago, maybe just a year. Within the last 18 months, for sure, uh, they have started doing a consistent Wednesday webinar series where they have alums and they have um, sometimes recently graduated students or industry experts talk about career topics every Wednesday in like an hour long webinar. And we host all the archive on the web. We have pushes out for it and everything. Uh, it's a nice 
it's essentially like a weekly a weekly podcast, which you guys seem to be familiar with. It has done really, really, really well for engagement whenever we put it out um, every week and whenever we uh, tout the archive. We have no issues with uh, with its performance, and it seems to be one of our highest performing rocks in our in our programming schedule. And it's purely careers; like there's nothing else. There's no no side ask. There's no Hey, come to an event. It's like, boom, this is just nice career stuff. And it seems like folks are really resonating to having that kind of value content. And we want to do more of it. I think we should be doing more of it. And we can. That's an interesting comparison, too, Joseph, because, you know, when you, when you look at what this podcast is and when you look at a lot of the podcasts that are interview style, they're really just h- highlighting someone in their career accomplishments, as we're doing here with you. And, and I think that's what a lot of us are, are really craving is what can I learn from others, you know, who have taken the same path as me or a path that I'm aspiring to head down. Um, and that's really, I mean, Anna, that's, that's what we're trying to do here is, and, and myself, even, even being, you know, one of the, the hosts on this, my biggest takeaway is learning from all of our guests every week. Yeah, I that's one of the nicest things I liked about um, coming into higher ed is that I, I didn't come from higher ed originally. I came from um, pharmaceutical marketing and a different kind of business and media arts kind of background. And I came into higher ed by accident, which is not an unfamiliar story for most people in higher ed. <laughs> um, there's a, a collaborative and always learning kind of atmosphere that's kind of baked into the culture of being at a university or a college that makes it really easy to copy and steal each other's ideas all the time because it doesn't feel as bad like when you're when you're when you're doing it like a in, in a more cutthroat kind of businessy sort of way because um, folks are really open to having it happen everybody wants each other to succeed because there's no perceived con- uh, competition level at, at some certain point but and I also can't take too much credit for that uh, Wednesday webinar series. We, we help amplify it and we help talk about it, but our it's Christy Fields and the alumni team um, who really do the lion's share of work in it, and it was even their idea. So I, I'm i just happy it's working and being so awesome. It's fantastic. I love how you give credit where credit's due because you totally could have stolen that idea, and we, neither Randy nor I would have known, um, but maybe some people internally would have pitched a fit. But um, so, Joseph, because you came from a background that wasn't um, always at the university, um, what are just some key tips and tricks you have for people? Because, you know, the university environment is so different. There's so many more divisions. There's, you know, in some ways, some more silos just because of the way funding works and, um, you know, the way departments have been set up. And a lot of times, you know, there are these legacy systems where, you know, these processes are, you know, they're just so baked in and just different from sort of that quote unquote, corporate world, what are some of your top pieces of advice for coming in to the university environment and really trying to make change happen with content and creating that experience? A lot of it is 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 like that most basic idea of buy-in and getting the right people to buy in across the board and knowing who those folks are. So you can't, one of the things I see sometimes when folks come into business, and I did it from, from a business side into higher ed, is that the pace is different when, when it kind of isn't. It's just a there's a just a completely different way of doing it. It's a lot more political. Like there's that old uh, that old chestnut about um, the the politics are, are so intense at universities because uh, it matters so little, right? Uh, but that's kind of it, it, it's kind of true, right? It wouldn't be uh, like a it wouldn't be an old chestnut if if it wasn't. Um, but it, it people do want to they believe in what they're doing, and it's sometimes 
sometimes it's hard to kind of kind of get that change and because folks are really into like their expert roles and understanding who they are and, and how they respond to certain kinds of change is really important. So getting, having those face-to-face communication opportunities, getting the buy-in for what you want to do and explaining it to them on like their terms from the, from the 50,000 foot level or 30,000 foot level where we're kind of looking at it right now, also into the details when it's necessary um, to kind of get them on board to what you're trying to do as often as you can. Um, it's not easy. I don't, I'm not a, a natural extrovert by any stretch of the imagination, so I find that really difficult to, to do on a day-to-day basis, but it's necessary. Like if I want to do what we're trying to do here uh, in Donor Alumni Communications with our colleagues, we have to be in front of folks a lot and, and talk to them and, and really explain what we're trying to do and how it's going to help them without them doing more work, but just a little bit differently. That's definitely number one. And that's something I know I've heard at conferences. I've heard from folks all across the board. Uh, and it's it's absolutely true. And then obviously having the executives on board is really great. But knowing knowing your context and knowing like if you're coming in from a, a place where it's like day-to-day, it's fast, 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 fast. Sometimes things will take six extra weeks because you have six extra stakeholders to check. That's how it is sometimes here and not getting frustrated with it. <laughs> That's a big, that's a big challenge. That, was, that would probably be the number one piece of advice if you're like looking to come into higher ed and kind of make those kinds of changes. Cause everything else is still pretty basic stuff. It's still, it's still kind of business focused. It's, it's why, why I was kind of going back and forth between the comparisons between what a, a, a normal business idea and then what a higher ed kind of situation is. Yeah. Cause it's, we're all trying, we're all looking for growth. We're all looking to, to support and promote our brand. And we're all looking to acquire and convert at the end of the day. Nice. So basically same ultimate end goal, just a little bit different process to get there. Love it. Nice. Well, Joseph, thank you so much. Um, we have gotten to know a lot about the personal side or sorry, the professional side of you, but we're going to have you stick around to learn more about the personal side of you. So we know you're a big fan of the arts and entertainment. Um, we know there's a lot more to you than, you know, your day to day. So everybody stick around and we are going to get to know a little bit more about Joseph. All right, Joseph, thanks a lot for sticking around here and letting us learn a little bit about you outside of the university. And I figured, like, since it's on you to sell Buffalo in many ways, I'm going to hit you with a two-part question. Number one, I'm from Toronto, right on the border. How do you feel about Canadians coming over the border to Buffalo all the time? That's that's part number one. Number one. And part part number two is, like, what are your, you know, top two to three things to do – in Buffalo, I know you got a couple of kids. Uh, you know, to to you know enjoy the city. Oh, okay. Well, let's start off by saying I love Toronto. I love going uh, across the border to visit. I've had some of my best experiences uh, and seen some of my best rock shows in Toronto. So, all the love for Toronto. So, uh, having folks come over is great. Please. Spend all your awesome Canadian dollars on the American side. <laughs> <laughs> And bring Kinder Surprise. Bring all the Kinder Surprise. Yeah, it, it was a little easier when the dollar was at par five, six years ago, but or maybe longer now. I don't know. I, I may sound stupid with that comment, but uh, that's fair. That's fair. We'll, we'll keep visiting. We, we enjoy it there. 
and next time, just bring me some of those chocolate Smarties because we, I mean, we, we have M&Ms, but those chocolate Smarties are completely different. Yeah. And, and to clarify for people, our definition of Smartie is very different than the definition of Smartie you guys have. It's, I, I don't even know what yours is, but ours is the way a Smartie should be. Our Smarties are straight sugar. Yeah. It's like pressed sugar versus yeah. like a Smartie is more like an M&M, but better. But better. It's got square edges. It's got like the, the solid. Yeah. And it, we could talk about the awesomeness of Smarties all day. <laughs> um, but I mean, I grew up with, with uh, our public radio, uh, public TV station, WNED here in Buffalo. They broadcast uh, to, a little bit to Toronto too, or at least they used to, definitely into Fort Erie um, and Niagara Falls. And we used to get commercials all the time um, on both sides uh, like that and also the paid stuff for Smarties. And it took me about 10 years um, until I was like a teenager to be able to get, see what that candy actually tasted like, which is why I have such a nice place in my heart for it. <laughs> All right. So now that we've talked about Smarties for a bit, maybe hit us with one of your, your favorite to do's in Buffalo. Well, um, like I mentioned, I love the arts. Uh, I do like going uh, to the Albright Knox art gallery. It's um, kind of, it's in the middle of, or the beginning of a new campaign and expansion with, uh, with a, uh, um, an architect who I think designed a museum up in Montreal uh, as well, um, not too long ago. Um, and it's got a wonderful collection that if anybody else is interested in the arts, they should absolutely be checking out. Um, and there's tons of really great galleries and lots of really good um, experimental artists down at like hall walls or community arts at the squeaky wheel um or even across the street from the albright knox at the Berkshield penny um there's really great um wonderful uh local spotlighted artists and national artists um always going on and display there too with really great space just massive work so i would definitely recommend coming down to see some of those events if you can um but i mean as long as you're not going to the Leafs game, you can always just check out the Sabres if you want. <laughs> that's fair. That's, that's a fair stab. I, I actually went down to Buffalo for a hockey tournament with my kids last year, and we went to a Sabres game. It was a ton of fun. We had a good time. And they were also like one-tenth the price of a Leaf ticket here in Toronto. So all, all, all in a win. Joseph, thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us on the podcast and especially for everyone who's tuned in to listen to this, this episode. If you've enjoyed this, please take a look at the contentexperienceshow.com to see all of our past episodes and you know check in on some of the other great content and great guests that we've had. Very similar to how Joseph talked about with learning from alumni. You know, I, That's what we're trying to do on this podcast is learn from great marketers. And we thank you, Joseph, for being one of those that we can all learn from. Until next time, I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip, joined by Anna Harak by, from Convince and Convert, and this has been The Connex Show. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to The Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com. <laughs>